welcome to the Flight Shrink Newsletter. This is Dr. Kevin Haycock. Going forward with the Flight Shrink Newsletter, I thought it would be helpful to number them so I can refer back to topics more easily. And I thought it would be fun to number the, them as flights. So for this 10th edition of the Flight Shrink Newsletter, we'll be traveling together on flight number 10. For flight number 10, we're addressing a very important topic that affects many individuals, including pilots and professionals, managing depression. Depression is a complex and widespread mental health condition that can impact every aspect of life, and we discussed the impact depression can have on pilots back on flight number five. Today, we'll explore the symptoms of depression, treatment options, and practical self-care strategies to empower you or anyone dealing with depression to seek support, find healing, and improve overall well-being. Before taking flight and getting into the details, it's important to acknowledge that depression is not a sign of weakness, and seeking help is a sign of strength. It may feel like you're giving up, or that you're not good enough if things have gotten so bad that you have to ask for help, but it's the ones who don't speak up for themselves who continue to suffer. So never feel weak for making yourself stronger. If you or someone you know is struggling, remember that there is no shame in reaching out for assistance. Understanding Depression Depression goes beyond occasional sadness. It's a persistent feeling of hopelessness, lack of interest, and emotional numbness that can interfere with daily life. For a detailed look at the common symptoms of depression, check out flight number five again. But as a quick reminder, depressive symptoms can be remembered using the mnemonic SIGICAPS, S-I-G-E-C-A-P-S, which spells out the following symptoms. Sleep disturbances. This can be insomnia or excessive sleeping. Interest lost. Losing interest or pleasure in activities you once enjoyed. Guilt or feelings of worthlessness. Harboring feelings of guilt, worthlessness, or Excessive self-criticism. Energy loss. Fatigue not necessarily due to poor sleep. Concentration difficulty. Struggling to focus, make decisions, or remember things. Appetite changes. Significant weight loss or gain accompanied by changes in appetite. Psychomotor changes. Talking or moving slower than usual. Suicidal thoughts. Contemplating death or thoughts of suicide. Treatment Options for Depression Managing depression often involves a combination of therapies and treatments. It's crucial to consult a mental health professional to determine the best approach for you. Here are some treatment options available from providers ranging from counselors to psychologists and psychiatrists. Therapy Psychotherapy can take many forms and can be provided by various professionals some requiring more training than others. In my experience, it's not always the credentials that make someone good at therapy. Often it's the personality of the therapist and the connection they make with each patient. So, if you don't hit it off with your first therapist, don't give up on therapy. Let your therapist know you're not really getting what you want out of therapy, so you can work on moving forward together or deciding together if it would be best to move on to another therapist. There are several types of therapy that can be helpful for depression. I don't necessarily recommend one over another, but rather recommend doing whichever one your therapist is best at. If they're good at multiple, have a discussion with your therapist and choose together 
the one that will work best for you. I'll dedicate a future flight shrink to all the different types of therapies, but for now, the most common type of therapy for depression is cognitive behavioral therapy. CBT can help identify negative thought patterns and develop healthier coping strategies. Many people get caught in a negative downward spiral of having negative thoughts leading to negative behaviors, making them feel bad about themselves, and so on and so on. CBT can work relatively quickly if you're willing to follow your therapist's guidance of not continuing to think or act in the same way. It can be hard to know what thoughts or behaviors you need to change. When you've been doing things one way for so long, it feels like there's no other way. This is where an objective observer like a therapist can help you see what may be keeping you down and helping you find a way out of the hole you're in. It can be difficult at first when a therapist challenges the way you've been thinking for years, so it's important to recognize you might be defensive at first. But remember, you're in therapy to learn about the way you think and how you might do it differently so as not to feel as depressed as you have been. So do your best to allow yourself to follow your therapist's lead. Medication. While mental health has a fair amount of stigma around it, I see many patients have even further stigma when it comes to taking a pill to help them with their depression. Some may consider a therapist, but seem to think that if they have to take a pill, there's something really wrong with them. But mental health diagnoses are no different than any other medical diagnosis. Would you think a friend who had to take a pill for their thyroid had something really wrong with them? No. They just need a medication to keep their body from doing something they don't want it to do. And it's the same for depression. Just as you have no control over what the cells of your thyroid do, you don't have any control over what the cells of your brain do. And if those cells are sending signals that lead to the symptoms of depression, then why not take a pill that helps the cells of the brain send signals that lead to less depression and a sense of stability? Just as there are several therapies to treat depression, there are several medications to treat depression. I'll do a future flight shrink on medications too, but for now, if you've never taken a medication to help with depression before, the first-line treatment is a type of antidepressant medication called an SSRI, which stands for Selective Serotonin Reuptake Inhibitor. SSRIs have an antidepressant effect by promoting the signal strength of certain cells of the brain called neurons that are involved in mood regulation. In depression, these neurons may not be sending signals as efficiently, and so SSRIs help improve those signals. Any prescribing provider can treat their patients with SSRIs. In some states, psychologists can get prescribing privileges, but this is relatively rare at this point. Otherwise, your prescribing provider is likely to be your primary care provider, which can be a doctor, MD or DO, a nurse practitioner, NP, or a physician assistant, PA. If you've never taken medication for depression, your primary care provider is a reasonable place to start. Unfortunately, primary care has limited time with patients, and so they may not be able to discuss your symptoms, diagnoses, treatment, and side effects in much detail. If you've tried a few medications from your primary care provider and have not seen the results you'd like, it's worth looking into more specialized care. Nurses with extra training in treating depression are called Psychiatric Mental Health Nurse Practitioners, PMHNP. PMHNPs do about one to two years of psychiatry-specific training after four years of undergraduate training to be a nurse. 
For further specialized care, you can see a doctor like me with extra training to treat depression. We are called psychiatrists. After our four years of undergraduate education, psychiatrists go to four years of medical school to become a doctor, and then four more years of training doing a residency in psychiatry. While primary care appointments are relatively short, initial appointments with a psychiatrist can be an hour or more. This is so the psychiatrist can take a detailed history, make as accurate a diagnosis as possible, recommend possible treatments along with the risks and benefits of those treatments, and help you decide on the best treatment plan for you. These longer appointments can lead to their availability being very limited, with many patients reporting waiting times of three months or more for their first appointment. For this reason, it may be best to schedule with a psychiatrist, and if your first appointment is a few months away, then also schedule with your primary care provider to get started on treatment sooner with the plan for the psychiatrist to adjust treatment as needed going forward. Self-care strategies. While professional support is essential, practicing self-care can significantly impact treatment. Many of these are discussed in further detail in previous flight shrinks, including flight number six, exploring the link between mental and physical health, as well as flight number seven, nine strategies for building resilience in high-pressure environments. Check those out for more detail, but here's a list of some of those self-care strategies with a brief description. Daily routine. Establish a structured daily routine to provide stability and a sense of purpose. Physical activity. Engage in regular exercise, even if it's a short walk to release endorphins and boost mood. Healthy diet. Consume a balanced diet rich in nutrients that support brain health, such as omega-3 fatty acids. Sleep hygiene. Prioritize sleep by maintaining a consistent sleep schedule and creating a comfortable sleep environment. Mindfulness and relaxation. Practice meditation, deep breathing, or progressive muscle relaxation to reduce stress. Limit stressors. Identify and minimize sources of stress in your life, setting healthy boundaries when needed. Creative outlets. Engage in activities you enjoy, whether it's painting, playing an instrument, or D&D with your friends. Connection. Spend time with loved ones, even if it's virtual, and maintain social connections that uplift you. Reaching out for help. If you or someone you know is struggling with depression, don't hesitate to seek help. Here are some options in addition to the above therapy and medication options. Support network. Share your feelings with trusted friends or family members who can offer support. Or, if you'd prefer a more anonymous approach, consider visiting a support group online or in person. Helplines. Reach out to helplines or crisis centers available in your region for immediate assistance. These resources are listed on the Flight Shrink About page, at the bottom of the newsletter email, or in the podcast show notes. Remember that managing depression is a journey, and progress may take time. It's okay to ask for help and prioritize your well-being. The path to healing starts with acknowledging your struggles and taking proactive steps towards recovery. If you were considering seeking care before reading or listening to this post, I hope this has helped you make a flight plan to improve your mental health. Stay tuned to The Flight Shrink for more insights into mental well-being and personal development. Your support means so much to me. I love writing this newsletter for you. If you find The Flight Shrink valuable, I invite you to subscribe and share this post with your fellow aviators, friends, family, and colleagues. Your engagement helps us continue this important conversation. Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify 
can make a big difference too, and may even help us get some guests in the future. Let's soar to new heights while prioritizing our mental health. Connect with me on Instagram, X, formerly Twitter, Facebook, and Threads using the handle at FlightShrink. Feel free to visit the FlightShrink Substack page for archived posts covering a wide range of mental health topics. Until next time, I'm Dr. Kevin Haycock, The Flight Shrink. Keep on flying. Thank you.